0: Thank you, John Scott. We will be once again in Matthew chapter six. Uh, I, I think we've done probably over a dozen prayers so far. Done. We've studied over a dozen prayers in this series, "Powerful Prayers of the Bible," and uh, the last five weeks now we've been on the Lord's Prayer, which we're giving special attention to because this is a prayer that Jesus gave to us as kind of a model, as kind of a pattern when disciples came to him and said, Hey, teach us. Lord, teach us to pray uh, like we see you praying. And so we're giving this prayer special attention. Um, Next week, by the way, next week is LTC night, right? So we will have our kids who've been busy all weekend, doing a great job down at the Anatole with all sorts of different uh, activities. They will be here next uh, Sunday night uh, for awards night, and we will get a taste of some of what went on this weekend as they joined thousands, yes thousands, of other kids uh, down at the Anatole downtown in LTC. It's a great deal. My kids always loved LTC. Once we got here, they wanted to be a part of it every year. Um, This is the first year, well, maybe last year was. Neither one of them were participants, but Claudia was helping this year with the Sign language. Apparently, that's a a deal. Kids can do some sign language, and she was helping Madeline Smith with that this year. So, all right. Once again, let's start with this prayer. And uh, remember, as we read this scripture, it is—it's prayer. Um, So we're praying this night. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, tonight, where we have arrived, and we'll probably spend one more week on this prayer before we move into a couple other prayers of the New Testament that we want to look at. But tonight, we are in that verse 12 Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I don't know about you, but probably this is one of the most challenging things I could personally pray. God, forgive me as I forgive others. Lord, bless me in this way to the extent that I am willing to bless others. That's challenging for me uh, because I'm not only asking God to give me something, but I'm asking God essentially to give that to me in the measure I'm willing to extend that same blessing to others. And Easter, I think, is really a great day to talk about this part of the Lord's Prayer because all of this is contingent, of course, on what Jesus offered to us through his sacrifice on the cross. Our debts were forgiven there on the cross. And that is the heart of what the gospel is all about. We are sinners. That's the bad news. For the good news to be good news, you have to come face to face with the bad news. And the bad news is that you and I are sinners without a hope of being able to pay off our sin debt to God. We are a fallen people. uh, And we fall repeatedly over and over again. Fall short of the mark God has set for us. And there is absolutely no way for us to earn or merit God's forgiveness. We can do a lot of good works we can devote ourselves to righteous living but none of that erases the evil that we've done the evil that we have said the evil that we have nurtured and cultivated in our thoughts Um, and yet Jesus so freely eyes full of love Jesus went to the cross so that I could be forgiven all of my sins and so that His righteousness would be imparted to me as if it were my own righteousness. As Paul says in Galatians 3, when we're baptized with Christ, we are clothed with Christ. We wear His righteousness as our own. So this is a central part of the faith. And so it's really no surprise to us then that this would have a prominent um, address in the middle of this prayer that Jesus offers to us as a model. And also, this is that part of the prayer that makes it very clear, crystal clear, if you will. um, This prayer is one that Jesus is gifting to us. The Lord's prayer is his gift to us. Um, This prayer is for us. This is not just... The disciples overhearing, oh, this is the way Jesus prays. No, this is not the way Jesus prays. Jesus, I would hazard, hazard, never prayed this when he was on his own. Um, think about that. This is the one part of this prayer that Jesus personally did not need to pray. Pray, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus could pray that. Hallowed be thy name. Jesus would pray that. Thy kingdom, of God. yeah, Jesus would pray that. Forgive me my debts? Forgive me my sins? No, Jesus had absolutely no business praying that. He had never sinned. This prayer is irrelevant to Jesus. And he prays it because he knows it is not at all irrelevant for you and I. Um, I have plenty of baggage that I need the Lord to deal with. Um, I have sinned plenty of times and I desperately need God's forgiveness. I need that more than my daily bread because my sins are the one thing that will keep me certainly from eternal life if God does not intervene on my behalf and take that debt away. So this is one part of the prayer Jesus would not have personally prayed, uh, at least if he was praying on her own, but one part of the prayer that he certainly includes because it is a prayer for us, for our benefit And it is also, and this is the scary part, this is also the one part of the prayer that Jesus makes conditional. You probably noticed that. There is an expectation not just for God's blessing, but for my willingness to bless in this prayer. This request of God, forgive me, is one that is conditioned on my willingness to forgive others. God, forgive my sins, and I will offer that same forgiveness to those around me. So, there is, in my opinion, I don't know about you, but there is no part for me of the Lord's Prayer that is more challenging than this part of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts. Yes, please. Yes, Lord. Forgive me my debts. Take care of my sins. As we have forgiven our debtors, whoa, hang on. Because that's not as easy to say, is it? So I guess tonight I would just ask you as we enter this part of the Lord's Prayer, is there some person that you need to forgive? Is there a past hurt or offense that you have been holding on to? Is there a grudge Is there a resentment that you need to turn loose of? I think that's where we need to be when we encounter this part of the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. So what are the debts that I carry around? What are the grudges, the resentments that I am hanging on to? I'm convinced that Jesus not only knew how much you and I need forgiveness, after all, he knows every sin that I've ever committed, every sin that you've ever committed, but Jesus also knows the extent to which I need to offer forgiveness. Not just that the people who have offended me need to be forgiven, but I need to forgive them for my own sake. Um, If I am going to be free, as Jesus wants me to be free, if I am going to be Joyful as Jesus wants me to be joyful, if I'm going to be graceful and merciful as Jesus, if I'm going to enjoy what Jesus called this life and life in abundance, Jesus knows I can't reach that. I can't possess that that He has purchased for me, that He has offered me, unless I am willing to forgive unless I am a forgiving person. I can't enjoy those blessings of the cross. And so frankly, I find this part of the Lord's Prayer, this condition, I find it troubling. Uh, But it's not a typo, okay? Jesus did not misspeak or mispray this line. In fact, the notion that God forgives me As I forgive others, this is basically a theme, isn't it, in the teaching of Jesus. From parables to direct teaching, this is a central part of the teaching ministry of Jesus. You ask God for forgiveness, great. He'll do that as long as you're willing to forgive. That measure which you use, God will use to measure back to you. And that bothers me a little bit because I'm not always that good at forgiving so here's a parable in Matthew 18 let's take something that's a little bit troubling and let's make it a lot troubling okay or let's allow Jesus to do that for us <laughs> very challenging parable here maybe the most parable challenging parable Jesus taught Matthew chapter 18 you're familiar with this verses 23 to, t- to 35 Talking about forgiveness. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like... So we have a comparison here. It is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents... By the way, a whole lot of money. A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Millions of dollars here since he was not able to pay I would insert here as was the custom of that day the master ordered that he and his wife and his children all be sold to repay the debt the servant and this is what I think you or I would have done the servant fell on his knees before him before that king be patient with me he begged And I will pay back everything. Notice here, I'm just going to insert my own observation here. The master wasn't patient with him. The master did not wait for him to repay back everything. The master went beyond that, right? The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Just that debt no longer exists. But when that servant went out, this is the troubling part. When that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant, I think we've seen this film before his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my Heavenly Father, ouch, will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Boy, that's a light, refreshing teaching of Jesus. So, observation here. In both the Lord's Prayer and in this parable, Jesus uses the metaphor of debt of financial obligations to illustrate something about the nature of forgiveness, the nature of grace. Perhaps this is to make it clear that debt is a real thing, that sins and offenses and injustices that have committed, they're not just some sort of airy, ethereal um, thing. They're real, okay? They're tangible, um, they cause pain to us and to others. It's not something imaginary. It's not something um, some person who's not really a believer or or not a a, a Christian might say. Well, that's just spiritual stuff. No, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it's more than that. It's it, it's it's real. There are consequences. Um, there are consequences when people sin. There are consequences when those sins are not dealt with or not forgiven. There are consequences. Back to the financial image, there are certainly consequences when you don't pay the, the bank back, right? When you don't pay that car loan, there, there's repo and there are other things that happen. Um, there are real consequences. So I think this image, using the financial imagery, shows us uh, that with forgiveness, we're talking about something real. There is a real offense that has been committed. A real crime that has been perpetrated, real injustices suffered. If you forgive something, it's because they actually did something. Okay? If you need to forgive something, somebody, rather, they did something wrong. They did something hurtful to you. The offense is real. Um, So in this parable, it's very quantifiable, isn't it? Ten thousand talents, one hundred. I mean, these are measurements, uh, financial measurements, Um, and in life there are real, substantial, tangible wrongs that have been committed and pain that has been suffered as a result of these sins that need to be forgiven. So the story Jesus tells is um, not sugarcoated at all, is it? It's pretty raw. Uh, pretty tough to hear because it exposes I think the very real struggle that we have sometimes to offer forgiveness now there are things that for us for you and I uh, we won't get into all of this but there are things that are certainly easier to forgive hey no big deal not a problem there are things that are harder to forgive and there are things that we certainly can't be expected to forget our brains just aren't wired that way We can't erase the hard drive up here like you would your computer at work, right? So forgiving someone is generally not a natural thing for you to do. And certainly, at least in the case of a real injustice or offense that's been suffered, it's not an easy thing for you and I to do. And I suspect this is why Jesus spends so much time in his ministry praying for us about this and teaching us through stories and illustration teaching us why we need to forgive how we need to forgive i love the way (laughs) i love the way c.s lewis oxford professor talks about forgiveness i think he's right on here he says everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive What a beautiful notion. Grace, mercy, forgiveness. Ah, just love that stuff. Until, that is, I need to actually extend that to somebody else because they really hurt me. How true. The theological notion of forgiveness is quite nice. As a life principle that I'm called by my master... My Lord Jesus, as a life principle, I'm called by him to extend to others in my friendships, in my marriage, in my relationships, with my boss, with my co-workers. Well, that's not so easy. It's not so easy. So when the fellow is offered forgiveness by the king, he's pretty happy, right? He's, yeah, yeah Absolutely. I accept that forgiveness. I, I mean, you'd be crazy not to. I accept that you have torn up my debt. That's a great thing. When I'm offered forgiveness, when I'm offered forgiveness, I am eager to accept it. I am happy to accept it. Thank you very much. When it's the servant's turn to offer forgiveness to someone else, someone who owes him, someone who has an actual tangible debt or obligation to him, he's not so eager. The shoe is on the other foot, and he is demanding repayment. And things, to put it mildly, don't end up well, do they? For this servant, the unforgiving servant in this parable, in this story that Jesus tells, he ends up in jail... He in, ends up in the hands of, of jailers who will torture him. Um, and I would propose, that's not just accidental or incidental, to the story. I would propose that is a pretty accurate description by Jesus of what it is like to refuse to turn loose of that offense or that injustice suffered. I would propose that that is a pretty accurate description description or depiction of what it is like to live in unforgiveness. It is an emotional prison. It is torture. Self-inflicted. You have put yourself in that torture chamber, in that dark dungeon. And so this person ends up chaining themselves to the offense that occurred two weeks ago, two years ago, 20 years ago, and they have locked themselves in this emotional prison. So we need to forgive. I mean, we need to forgive. Not simply because it is a spiritual obligation, but because it is a requirement for us to move into the life that Jesus has called us to move into. And God fully expects, as we find in the Lord's Prayer and in this parable, God the Father fully expects that we, His children, who have been forgiven such enormous sin debts, because those debts have been canceled so generously and graciously by Him, He expects we will extend that same forgiveness to others. But, and see, this is where the sermon can now go on forever, and it won't. Okay, you can thank me later. There's a lot we could talk about here. A lot of ins and outs of this, obviously. We've got the principle here. But I will do one. What about this? What if the person doesn't ask for forgiveness? Hey, let's go beyond that. What if the person... Refuses to even acknowledge they did anything wrong at all. What about that? Do I, do I, surely I don't need to forgive that person, right? Um, I should, and this is where we, this is where things get pretty tricky for us. I should, right, I should only forgive people who, who deserve to be forgiven. Um, Problem with that, of course, is if that's my, Philosophy of forgiveness, then I am not at all forgiving like God forgave me, am I? <laughs> While we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Um, Christ forgave me liberally. Um, Christ forgave me when I did not deserve to be forgiven. Christ died on the cross before you or I ever thought about recognizing our guilt or confessing our guilt before God. But I won't ask, I won't forgive this other person because they have not asked for... If they ask me, Gordon, then I'll forgive them, right? Um, The problem is sometimes that person's not even alive any longer. I mean, a lot of us, we haven't forgiven people who, they're no longer with us. I mean, they have passed on to the great by and by. So in a lot of cases, there's not going to be any asking for forgiveness... Um, But don't they, if they're alive, don't they at least need to say, I'm sorry, don't they need to admit their fault before I offer forgiveness? Don't they need, in some sense, to again, don't they need to kind of deserve to be forgiven? Um, Well, Easter again, Easter, right? It's a story of what Jesus did for us, and it suggests something, and you know this, you know where we're going, it it suggests something far different. Um, If I only forgive people, who deserve my forgiveness, then I'm not forgiving them the way God has forgiven me in Jesus Christ. And so to make this real, I think I kind of need to look in the mirror and ask myself a question. Can I call myself, I mean really, can I call myself a follower of Jesus can i call myself a christian if i don't extend that same forgiveness that i so eagerly received just a question forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you it is cutting the chains of bitterness and resentment that imprisoned my heart. Easy for me to say, I understand. Not so easy to put into practice. May the Holy Spirit help us with that. Forgiveness is making the decision to move on without holding on. Forgiveness means I give people a fresh start by declining my right to hold on to the list of offenses that they have committed against me. Forgiveness is what I ask God for because I need it. And forgiveness is what I offer others because they need it and because I need, I need to forgive. So there is freedom for the person who offended me or hurt me and there is freedom for me and freedom for my imprisoned heart when i offer grace instead of demanding justice this sunday we celebrate what jesus accomplished for us on the cross we celebrate the victory over death that is the easter story this is a sunday more than any other when we as a people celebrate. That what is impossible for everyone else is possible for God. God took the impossible and turned it upside down. He took death and transformed it into life. Not just life. I mean, Jesus didn't just have a pulse again. God turned it into everlasting life. Jesus was never more alive than he was when he was resurrected. And I believe that God, in this day of the impossible becoming possible, I believe that God can take even my heart and even your heart and make the impossible become possible. He can turn us not only into a forgiven people, but also into a forgiving people. And may His Spirit help us to do that as we say with sincere hearts, Lord, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Let's respond in worship tonight. Let's be standing and let's offer.